Hey ladies, welcome back to the show. We're so happy to have you here with us today. On our episode, we are going to dig into five common beliefs that may be holding you back from achieving your health, wellness, and self-care goals. We talk about beliefs on this podcast because a lot of times we all know what to do and there is typically something stopping us from doing it. And a lot of this is based on our internal beliefs. And these beliefs are based on a multitude of things, including the experiences that we've had from, you know, from childhood up until today, could be based on our family or friends and who we surround ourselves with, our culture, our religion, or even what is deemed appropriate for society. These beliefs, though, may be so deeply rooted that you may not even know that you are carrying them around. And so today we're going to explore, debunk, and challenge these beliefs so that A, you can start to identify that you have them. I think that's a really big thing. Um, And then B, you can start to create a belief or start to challenge those beliefs so that you can feel a little bit more empowered and take a little bit more control of your health. Most of of these self-limiting beliefs will be familiar to you, but I really want you to think about this when we start to identify and talk about these beliefs because sometimes I think we know intellectually that we have these beliefs, but we still believe them internally. And so you may have all the information in the world, but there's just something within you that you are still holding on to that belief if you were really to look at it. And so I want you to start to think about when I say these beliefs, if there's like a little twinge in your belly or just if it rings familiar to you that it's a little bit intellectually, you know that it's not true, but that, you know, maybe you're still carrying this belief around with you. And I want you to notice that because it's something that could be limiting you and preventing you from moving forward. So the goal is to counter some of these beliefs um, and debunk them as well. So let's dive into the five beliefs. So belief number one is weight equals health. I know that this is a really big one and this is one that is perpetuated over and over again in diet culture. So let's dig into this. So our weight does not tell us what is happening inside our body, right? It the weight doesn't the weight on the scale doesn't tell us what percentage of our body is broken into fat mass and what percentage of our body is broken into lean body mass. There are some scales out there that will give you like a bio, like a bioelectrical impedance, or they may say that they can tell you some proportion, but typically the gold standard is going to be hydrostatic weighing, which is when you go into like a little, um, I guess you go into like a little, like you're usually in your swim trunks or a bathing suit and you are going underwater and they're measuring you to tell you what percentage you have of fat mass and, and body mass. And most people aren't getting this done. And so you can lose a fat mass or redistribute it and it won't be reflected on the scale. 
And so I want you to think about if you have somebody who is in a smaller body and some someone that is in a bigger body, right? And it doesn't mean that the somebody and the person who's in a smaller body is healthy because you don't really know what's happening with that person with a smaller body, right? You could have somebody who's in that smaller body who is smoking and eating a lot of fast food. And so that smaller weight may outwardly appear to be really healthy, but they may have poor heart health. Um, they may have levels of inflammation going on in their body, and then smoking is going to increase that inflammation as well. And so then if you're looking at the person who has a bigger, who is in the bigger body, I think a lot of times people will just assume that that person is the one who is not as healthy. But really what you want to look at is what are those behaviors that person is doing, right? So a lot of times I always say like, let's focus on the behavior because the behavior is going to be what matters. So when you're looking at both of those people, like who is the one that is doing behaviors to to promote their health, right? So like, who's the person who's doing a little bit more physical activity? Who's the person who's going to have the blood work that supports the behaviors that they're doing? So that would mean that their cholesterol numbers are pretty decent and that their blood sugar is under control. These are the things that you really want to look at um, because these are going to be the things that are going to be and allow you to know what's putting you at risk for disease. And so I want you to start breaking free from this idea that health is solely determined by the number on the scale. Sure, health is determined by numbers, but it's not the numbers on the scale. It's going to be the numbers that it's going to be the numbers in your blood work. It's going to be um, the numbers in how many days a week you're doing physical activity. It's going to be how you manage stress, the numbers of, you know, veggies and fruit that you're eating that are going to help with inflammation. And this idea that weight equals health, I want to counter that belief with this idea that health is more than a number, right? So I want you to kind of get into this place that you're able to embrace the understanding that health encompasses a variety of factors. And those factors aren't the weight on the scale. They're going to be your behaviors, including how much physical fitness you're doing, um, what your mental well-being looks like, how well you are managing your stress, if you are eating foods that are going to give you nourishment and vitamins and minerals, um, how much you're smoking or not smoking, reducing your alcohol intake. Again, you could be someone who is in a smaller body, but you could be smoking and drinking and not eating any veggies and fruit. And so you're, the person in the smaller body is going to be perceived as being healthier when in fact they could be the one who's more at risk for a, cardi, a cardiac event. So let's get into this place that you're shifting your focus from weight and you're adopting sustainable habits that really nourish your body and your mind too. And Again, reminding you that like 
skinny doesn't equal more self-worth. It doesn't equal more enoughness. It doesn't equal that you are on a pedestal. And it doesn't mean that if anybody is in a larger size body, it doesn't equal that you're less worthy, less equal, or less worthy of anything that you want. Again, this idea that um, that weight equals health is debunked. Health is more than a number. Health is really going to be determined by what is happening inside of your body. And the only way that we really know that is based on your labs, based on your behaviors, based on the things that you do on a daily basis to take care of yourself. Okay, now let's move on to belief number two. Belief number two is that self-care is selfish. And so reminding you that caring for yourself isn't selfish, it's it's essential. So the counter belief to this is that self-care is is necessary for you and that it's not a luxury. It's something that you can't afford not to be doing. For women, we are so used to taking care of other people and it's not limited to just women, but I feel like with women, a lot of times we are put in this caregiver role. And so it's very easy to put other people first when it comes to our health because when things get when things get tough there is sometimes that expectation that we will take care of it and the expectation comes from a lot of things it could come from within you it could be something that is a cultural it's something that is unique to your culture it could be that you feel like you have to do it because you're going to be the only one that's going to be able to do it the best and that you are going to be the only one that can do it. And so it's kind of getting you to a place that it's not going to be easy to to kind of put yourself first and to know that you deserve to be first because I think that when there's lots of commitments And especially when it comes to women, it seems like we're not so great at at continuing the things that make us feel good when we have a lot of responsibility. And so I don't know, I think that's kind of like a message that we learn from a very young age that like we're kind of groomed in that way to put everyone first. Um, And it's so interesting because I feel like for men, and again, this isn't always like I'm putting this into a gender category, um, but I there's certainly it can be interchanged that women are women can be, you know, men can be just as easily um, persuaded to kind of put themselves last as well. But I think if we're talking about like as a group, I think in general women, um, you know, are able to if there's a lot of things going on and a lot of responsibility that falls on you that it's easy to let the very thing that's going to make you feel really good to let that go because all the other things feel more important. So I want to remind you that, you know, it will be hard to put yourself first and to engage in self-care, but in order to be a good caregiver or in order to take care of other people, 
you're going to be better at doing that if you're taking care of your fur of yourself first. You're not going to be so great at caring for other people if you're burnt out and not t- taking care of your physical or emotional needs first. So prioritizing your self-care allows you to show up for the people that you want to show up for and allows you to really take care of yourself and your loved ones the way that you really want to. And remembering that self-care isn't just about taking baths and um, having pedicures, but self-care is really about setting boundaries, putting boundaries in place, and being okay that you're putting those boundaries in place because those boundaries are meant to protect you and protect your time and to remind you that you are important too and that you are deserving of taking care of yourself as well. And self-care also is about practicing mindfulness and engaging in things that bring you joy and that bring you restoration and allow you to rejuvenate so that you can be there for yourself and therefore be there for other people too. So the counterbalance to this, this is a belief that I know is one of those things, at least for me anywhere, where you may know like, oh yeah, self-care you know, self-care is a necessity, but knowing and doing are two different things because when it comes down to the wire, you could be in a place that there's so many things and it's so hard to differentiate and decide which one of those things is the most important. And a lot of times, you know, if we decide that we want to go for a walk for a mental, for a mental capability, that's the thing that can easily go to the bottom of the list because all the other things seem more important. But in fact, doing that walk is going to be the thing that helps carry you through everything else. And again, I generalize this in men and women's roles, but I do believe that sometimes for men, it's a little bit easier to be like, oh yeah, I'm not giving up on my goal. I've, I've always done this and I'm always going to go for my walk. And for women, it's just a reminder that you don't have to give up on it either. If you want to do that walk at the end of the day, that that is actually going to be something that you need and that will be really important and a reminder that that's what you should be doing. You should be taking care of yourself because you're never going to be able to be there for other people and to become the person that you want to be if you're not taking that time to care for yourself. And I know this is much easier said than done. Again, it's something that I'm still learning and perhaps you're still learning too. Um, Because when you're, maybe when you're really stressed out, even though you know that taking that walk will make you feel good, it just seems impossible sometimes to actually make it happen. So it's just a reminder that self-care is a necessity. It's not a luxury. Afford it to some people, it's a luxury and it's a necessity that's afforded to you too. So just reminding you today that, you know, that it's important to take care of yourself first before you take care of other people. Belief number three is extreme diets or any diets are the best way to lose weight. So let's talk about dieting. Dieting is something that is typically short-term with short-term results. 
And so the goal here is to create sustainable ways to eat that you can maintain forever, that nourishes your body, that is something where you're including nutrient-dense foods, that you are including all of the macronutrients such as carbs, protein, and fat, and that you're also including the vitamins and minerals you need to, usually in the form of veggies and fruit. And so when it comes to dieting, you want to make sure that it's a lifestyle and sustainable way to live and that you don't feel like you have to be on and off something, that you can be in a place that you can eat fruits and veggies and still enjoy ice cream and donuts and whatever it is that you like, but that it can be in moderation. I think this is like the big goal for most people. Um, And knowing that the counter belief is that balanced eating is what is going to help you, what's going to be more sustainable. Reminding you that dieting can lead to disordered thoughts and disordered thoughts and disordered eating patterns. It can help you Um, it can just get to a place where you're starting to ignore your relationship with food. And one of the the big things is that it, it, it gets you to a place when you do it for so long, which many women, myself included, chronic dieters. So it just gets to a point that you're ignoring your hunger and fullness cues. And you may not even, I mean, there's so many women that I talk to that really don't have those hunger and fullness cues. So of course that happens, right? Because we're dieting for so much of our life. So we, we, we start to ignore them and to not know what they feel like because we've never, maybe never experienced them. And so the goal here is to remind you that this, like trying to figure out what this looks like for you in terms of balanced eating is usually takes a, a while and it's not something that you just learn really quickly. It's something that develops over time. Because you are also, as you're learning new skills, trying to kind of like challenge some of the old things that you were doing too. So it tends to take a little bit of time. But the only way through it and to figure it out is to practice it. So it's like you're doing this thing where you're like practicing, seeing what works, pivoting, practicing, seeing what works, pivoting, changing. And the goal here is for you to feel like that you are not depriving yourself of of anything, that you can have things in moderation, and that you can do this forever, that this can be a lifestyle change that can be sustainable. And again, I know that this is something that you all know, but then, you know, all of a sudden there's something like something that's coming up in your life and you want to look a certain way. And then all of a sudden, I think we revert to these old behaviors that we know we've had results in before and we're going to try to do them um, again. And I think that's a very human experience, but reminding you that diets tend to be short-term with short-term results. So if you're in a place that you're ready to have longer, more sustainable results than to just start to refocus and redirect your brain to this idea that having a balanced eating where everything fits, all foods fit, may be a way that might be more sustainable so that you can have longer term results that that tend to be a little bit more sustainable. All right, belief number four, 
that cardio is the only effective exercise for weight loss. All right. So if you are in your 20s, that's probably what you did a lot of cardio. You're in your 30s, maybe that's all that you did. But now that you are approaching, you know, premenopause or even in menopause, this idea that cardio is the only thing that works or is effective for weight loss kind of goes out the window. The new counter belief is that you need to have diversity in your exercise regimen to increase your um, overall sense of wellness and what you're able to do, like your functional capacity. So as we start to age, we start to lose muscle mass and you may also redistribute fat mass. And this is called sarcopenia. Um, we don't really talk about it. I feel like we, when I worked in the hospital, we talked about sarcopenia a lot because it happens in our, in our um, ICU patients pretty, pretty quickly. Um, but it is true that you um, start to have this redistribution of, of um, muscle mass and fat mass related to different hormones that are happening. And there are some studies that suggest that you reach like peak muscle mass at 35. Um, I want you to think about like, and this may not have happened to you yet, but I suspect it probably has happened to somebody in your life that like, they look the same, they weigh the same, but their clothes may fit completely differently. So they've been wearing these clothes for like, you know, maybe 10 years. And then all of a sudden they weigh the exact same amount, but maybe the, the clothes are tighter around their waist or tighter in their legs. And that's because you have, there is a weight redistribution here. So the weight might be the same, but the actual composition of the weight is different. And so there may not be as much muscle mass, and now there may be more fat mass. And so, again, that's hard to pick up on a scale, which is why scales don't always work. Um, and so again, like this is something that your, you know, your clothes may be telling you that like, Hey, my weight feels different. Sure. It probably is because there's a redistribution going on there of your, of your fat and muscle mass. And going back to the whole scale thing, I think that it's probably not unreasonable that if you want to keep track of what your, um, like where you're progressing in terms of if you're doing fitness and you're having fitness goals to really take into account, you could do like, you can, you can have measurements that you do using fabric tape. They're probably going to be a little bit more accurate than, and then getting on a scale. And so that looks like, like taking measurements of your waist, your hips. Um, people like to do their arms their upper legs, you know, their, their thighs, their ankles, whatever that you're, that it is you're working on. Um, especially if you're trying to build muscle mass in your arms and your legs or your butt, whatever. Um, but yeah, sure. You can keep measurements that way of your, of your circumference of those things. And that actually may be a better indicator of what is actually happening with your health, especially if you find yourself that you're starting to lose, to lift weights, that you're going to have some kind of redistribution of your, of your muscle mass, that doing that, that taking those measurements are going to be more, um, effective than getting on a scale. So you could be adding weight weights into your exercise regimen, but your scale isn't budging, but that might just be that you're having some kind of redistribution of what your weight looks like. So some of the things, if you're at a gym, they'll usually do skin full calibers, but they're not always accurate because again, it's like you need the person who is, 
um, doing the actual first time measurements to do the second time measurements. And the same if you're using fabric tape, I would make sure that the person who's measuring it the first time is the same person that's doing it the second time. So there can be consistency that you're not feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm doing all this work and it's not paying off because I suspect it is. It's probably just showing more in those numbers than the actual number on the scale. And so when we talk about doing cardiovascular exercise only, it's not going to be, if you're starting to lose peak muscle mass, if you're only doing cardiovascular exercise, so that would just be like if you're only walking and you're only running and you're only getting on an exercise bike, biking, you're not going to be able to create more peak muscle mass that you could be losing unless you're doing weight training too. And so weight training just means anything that you're doing that you're, that you're um, able to help create more muscle mass or at least to maintain the muscle mass that you already have. And so when we talk about weight training, this could be with weights, this could be with resistance training, um, this could be with bands. So weight training and resistance training are the same. And so it could be that you're using, again, that you're using um, dumbbells, that you're using exercise bands. This could be that you're doing yoga. And so especially if you're somebody over 40, it really becomes more important to incorporate all of these different things in because they all do something different for your mind and your body. And So it's just going to be more important to have a more well-rounded fitness regimen to help you preserve the muscle mass that you already have. Um, And there's more on this topic in the freebie. I always talk about this freebie and it's in the show notes, but we talk about five things that are going to be really important as you start to age. And this is one of them is to try to have a more well-rounded exercise regimen. Um, If you want to really get to a place that you are promoting overall health and boosting your confidence and um, helping contribute to a more positive body image, then expanding your definition of exercise to more things than just cardio is going to be the way to do it. And this could be like strength training, flexibility training, mindfulness training, Um, flexibility as you get older is going to be something that's really important. Anybody that's over 40 probably is already starting to feel that way. So there's, you know, I think if you're walking, that something is very simple as walking. That's what a lot of people can do. It's for free. And incorporating weights or some kind of weight training into a walking regimen is a totally doable combination that can have really big results for you. If you're not sure what weights look like or what that looks like to you because you're scared to incorporate weight training, you can probably go on YouTube and find a whole bunch of videos. If you have resistance bands, um, a lot of times they give you resistance bands. Like if you've ever done physical therapy, they'll give you different color bands depending on um, how strong you were able to be during that physical therapy regimen. But just kind of consider that, that, you know, that there's something more than just doing um, cardio, that you're probably going to have results and feel better and just overall be able to preserve your lean body mass and 
just feel better overall if you're able to incorporate different exercises than just beating yourself up with yoga that you maybe used to do when you were 20 that you don't need to do anymore and probably isn't going to be as effective to you as it was previously. And then our last belief, belief number five, is that your eating has to be perfect, your physical activity has to be perfect, and anything that you're doing that is trying to improve your health has to be perfect. So the counter belief to this is that you do whatever works for you, and that anything that you're doing that is getting you closer to your goal is progress. And progress doesn't equal perfection. Progress is progress and progress is going to be the thing that gets you to your goal. Most people fail to do, most people fail when it comes to their health, wellness and self-care goals because they give up very easily because things aren't perfect. And if you're too inflexible and you're too concentrated on things being perfect, then you are going to give up because you're going to, you're going to feel like you're just going to feel like that you're not doing it right. And so it's going to be hard to maintain that for the long term. But I want you to remember that life isn't perfect. It's not, it's not perfect. It's, it changes all the time. It's dynamic. It's always going through changes and every day is going to be different. There's going to be days that it's going to feel really easy to do the things that make you feel good and it's going to be really hard on other days. And you're going to learn a lot more about what works for you when you are able to be a little bit more flexible and make substitutions for what you're doing. And so the emphasis here is always going to be on small achievable goals and to release this idea that in order to do something, you have to do it perfectly. Because this pressure of achieving this ideal perfection standard isn't going to bode well for you in the long term when, it, when you're on your wellness journey. And so it's this idea of really like shifting this mindset that you are celebrating these small victories, um, celebrating incremental progress that you're having, celebrating anything that you're able to do that is small that you can be consistent in. And that's a really that's another thing with perfection is that this this idea of consistency sometimes I think is what drives us to perfection, but it also drives us to not be able to succeed. And so it's more important for you to be consistent than it is for you to be perfect. And so whatever you can do to be consistent is what I would say to do. So Say, for example, you have decided that you are going to work out every day for maybe you're going to do it for a half an hour, right? So what will drive you would be that every day you are going to do 30 minutes of whatever physical activity. But if you run into a snag because life happens and life is ever changing and it's dynamic, then maybe you have a day where you can only work out for 15 minutes or 20 minutes. Well, if you're in this perfectionist mentality, you can't do any physical activity because you don't have enough time because you don't have 30 minutes. But even if you're doing something for 15 or 20 minutes, that's still going to give you a gain. And what that's really going to do is it's going to allow you to be consistent. And that consistency that you practice over and over and over again is really going to be 
the motivating factor and what's really going to build momentum and confidence for you to be able to do that activity. It's not the perfection that's going to do it. The perfection is going to actually stop you from doing it. It's going to be the consistency. So whatever you're struggling with now, it doesn't matter if you can't do your physical activity for 30 minutes, the goal that you set. What's more important is that you do something and that you maintain that consistency and that every day you can be flexible with trying to figure out how to maintain that consistency because that's what's going to get you to your goal in the long term. And so remembering that wellness is a lifelong process And every step that you take, no matter how small it may seem at the time, is going to contribute to your overall well-being and your wellness goals that you desire. So these are the five beliefs that that I wanted to talk about today. And just as a reminder, the five beliefs are weight equals health is the first self-limiting belief. And the counter belief to that is health is more than a number. The second belief is that self-care is selfish. And the counter belief to that is self-care is a necessity. The third belief is that diets are the best way to lose weight. And that counter belief is that balanced eating that you can do forever is going to be something that is going to help you the most. The fourth belief is that cardio is the only effective exercise for weight loss. The counter belief to that is that you need to have some diversity in your exercise regimen to enhance your overall wellness. And the last belief is that everything that you do when it comes to your healthcare goals must be perfect. And the belief and the counter belief to that is that anything that you do, no matter how small that leads you and gets you closer to your goal is progress. And that is really where you want to be. So thank you for listening to today. And I want you to just start thinking about if any of those those self-limiting beliefs that are very common that you know exist, if any of those um, stood out to you and really trying to figure out how to, if that's something that you believe, what are some things that you can remind yourself and think about when you have those beliefs as a counter beliefs. Because the idea here is that you're creating these well-rounded fulfilling and this life that feels um, a little bit more balanced than maybe you're having right now and that you're in a place that you're able to start to prioritize your self-care, that you're able to start nurturing this physical and mental wellness that you have and to know that you control your own wellness narrative. And a lot of how this narrative is shaped is based on your beliefs, no matter how unconscious they are, they still they still are the thing that shape what you're doing in your everyday life. So I want you to just remember that this healthcare journey is something that is, you know, is something that you're going to be doing for a really long time. And so kind of getting to a place that you're able to enjoy it more, that you're able to embrace it, that you're able to be open and compassionate with yourself, and that Anything that you do that is progress towards the goal that you're trying to achieve and don't minimize that value. 
Um, because I think like no matter how many times we talk on here and how much knowledge is provided, really the only one who's going to be able to change your life is you and you are the hero of your own story and you can become empowered to change your life. And one of the ways that that's going to happen is going to be redirecting some of those limiting beliefs that you may have and creating a narrative that works more to achieving that. So I hope you guys have a great week and I am thankful for you guys for listening and I will see you back here next week. Thanks so much.